0: Choose you this day, whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me in my house, me and my house. I said choose you this day, whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me in my house. Good morning, Networld, and thank you for tuning in. We're going to finish up on our series titled... The Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for his generational blessing. We've been talking about this for quite some time, and we finished up yesterday talking about the change that we were doing in our church in meeting together, all of us, all ages, and everyone in one room as a family. But the most important thing we've decided to do was to teach and raise up parents and masters of the house how to have family worship at home. I found out that family worship at home is the most important thing to have a successful discipleship, successful mentoring, successful modeling, and also to have a successful church. As I've stated in the past, I never learned about family worship. I only knew about reading the Bible at home, and everything I did spiritually was at church. I did teach my kids the Bible, but it was at church. I did minister the word to my family, but it was at church. I never did it at home. I always read the Bible on a private and personal basis, But I never gathered my family to have worship at home. And when my marriage began to fall apart, after 25 years of marriage, and my wife told me she didn't love me anymore and was leaving because I was more married to the church than I was to her. I wanted to make the changes. I said I can fix it, but she said it was too late, and it was. And when my marriage began to fall apart, I decided to go to professional Christian counseling. I remember my counselor, Mike Flynn from Christian Counseling Associates, Gave me some statistics of divorce and marriage. He said for first marriages, the current divorce rate is approximately 50%. For second marriages, the failure rate jumps to 70%. For third marriages, it jumps to 85%. He said if only 30% of second marriages do not end in divorce, how many out of that 30% do you think are actually happy? Do you think half, maybe 15% of second marriages? He then asked, would you get on an airplane and fly if the pilot said you only had a 15% chance of landing safely? My answer was absolutely not. He continued, other statistics for success after divorce say to wait three years to date and two more years before you remarry. Otherwise, you will most likely marry the same type of person all over again. The reason for this is you naturally attract a certain type of person. It takes time and work to get somewhere new, or the same thing will happen again in addition to time between marriages it takes education and learning about marriage relationships to be successful well that was great advice statistics do not lie do we really think we're better than the odds i took my counselor's word to heart i prayed and asked the lord to help me re-educate myself for two reasons to help those in my church and if i were to ever remarry not to have a second failure what have i done Well, I've listened twice to Marriage on the Rock by Jimmy Evans, and I highly recommend that. And now I'm studying on the vision of family integration for family worship and how to balance out home and church life, or for me, home and ministry life. I see now that I lived 24 and 7 for church, thinking that was the best thing for my family. I thought the church was the cake and home was the icing, but now I see home needs to be the cake and the church needs to be the icing. It's a big difference. Why am I teaching this series? Well, this is my personal journey. I do not intend it to be a destination. I'm also teaching to help myself. It may be a little selfish, but to be honest. So I humbly speak out of failure while believing for success. Whatever I speak here is not the answer or end of all wisdom, but hopefully it'll make a good start and produce a much better journey. Maybe you're like me and you've failed also. Or maybe you're successful but still want to improve. Whatever your journey may be, I pray that these teachings have been a blessing to you and make a difference in your life. I'm writing a book on all of this. It's called The Family Bible Revolution. And it's all the things that I've learned over the past few years that I intend to impart to myself and to my family from now on. You see, as a children's minister for all those years, we spent so much time and money and energy on children's and youth ministries and and Sunday school over the past 30 years. But why are so many of those young adults leaving the church and changing their beliefs when they reach their college years? Why is it that so many of our young people have little to no relationship with their fathers, their mothers, and their grandparents? Why are they rejecting Jesus as the only way and letting sexual purity be redefined by the world instead of the Bible? Could it be that we have relegated the responsibility of the father and the parents to other people? We've not let the anointing that God has given and appointed to people be the head of their homes. Let me read a section out of Scott Brown's book, A Weed in the Church, called Dropout Statistics. It says the American church is in decline, and attendance at public worship has dropped across denominational lines. Studies and statistics show that large numbers of the rising generation are leaving the church and living in apostasy. Some say the number is somewhere between 70 to 88% of the youth raised in our churches have abandoned the faith of their parents. Others say it's around 40%. Well, if the 40% estimation is correct, does this somehow lessen the emergency code from red to yellow? How many children make up 40% of your family or your church? Whether it's 88% or 40%, these percentages should take our breath away. Startling new research published by Ken Ham and Britt Beamer reveals that young people active in the Sunday schools and youth groups of the most conservative Bible-believing churches across America are lost while still in the fold. Ham and Beamer explain how those who are part of typical youth outreach programs during their teenage years are more apt to be already gone from the church in their hearts than those who are not a part of these programs. They simply have yet to bolt. They were disengaging while they were still in the pews. They were preparing for their exit while attending youth groups and Sunday schools. One of the disturbing conclusions they reached is that attending Sunday school is actually more detrimental to the spiritual and moral health of our children than keeping them out. Not only are those who attend Sunday schools and youth groups more likely to abandon the church upon reaching adulthood, but they are also more likely to embrace the wrong worldview. Ham and Beamer note Compared to the 39% who do not go to Sunday school, contrary to what many of you may believe, the research showed that students who regularly attended Sunday school are actually more likely not to believe that all the accounts and stories in the Bible are true and accurate. They're more likely to defend premarital sex. They're more likely to accept that gay marriage and abortion should be legal. They're much more likely to believe that God used evolution to change one kind of animal into another. They're more likely to view the church as hypocritical. And they're much more likely to have become anti-church through the years. Is it possible that this new popular brand of age-segregated Christianity is one of the forces destroying the family and thereby neutralizing the church in the next generation? Boy, that's a very, very serious question. Should we continue in the process of raising up youth ministries and children's ministries rather than training up the parents how to be biblical role models at home? Should we restore family worship like Abraham did in order to win the nations to the world? I believe so. I believe that if we bring family worship back into the home, according to the six steps as I was given by Scott Brown and his ministry, that it could be the beginning of the end-time revival. What are the six points? They're very easy. One, open the Bible. Two, read it to your family. Three, discuss it, for how it should change your thinking and living. Four, pray for one another, the saints and the lost. Five, do it at the beginning and the end of the day. And six, now you're trained, go do it. And for myself, for 30 years of ministering to children in many crusades and many Sundays with thousands of children, I've decided to train up parents instead of workers. I've decided to empower parents instead of workers. I've decided to put the emphasis in the home instead of in the church. I think that when we do that and when we meet all together on Sundays, we could really see a move of God. What do you think? The children may not like it at first, but I bet you they'll change their mind after they see what it can do. Children are yearning for leadership by their father and their mother. Children are looking for mentoring and modeling on a daily basis through situations that are good and through situations that are bad. Sons are crying out for fathers daughters are crying out for fathers. Let's rise up. Let's put the emphasis where God puts his emphasis. Let's make a difference. Let's start with family worship at home. Let's learn who are the ones that have the authority, the ones that have been appointed and anointed. Let's learn how to do it with all generations together. And then let's meet for church worship all together, loving God, serving him in both the agape meal and the communion meal. And let's let the Lord build his church where the gates of hell could not prevail against it. I call it the Family Bible Revolution. And as I said, I'll be publishing a book on this soon. Just keep looking for it, The Family Bible Revolution, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all your digital places. I'm believing God for a Family Bible Revolution. Will you do it with me? Where the hearts of fathers are turned to their children, and the hearts of the children are turned to their fathers. Oh, Lord Jesus, we pray for the last and final latter great reign. The latter great awakening in the preparation for the return of the Lord. So in conclusion, I read Isaiah 38:19. The living, the living man, he shall praise you. As I do this day, the father shall make known your truth to the children. After all has been said, how can I make a conclusion? I guess the revelation of the family being the cake and the church being the icing opened my eyes to reset my priorities. I had it backwards. Yes, both are very important. The five essentials begin with family worship, and they end with church worship. It's a complete cycle that builds and gives strength and success to both along the way. I wish I knew then what I know now, but while watching a DVD of Keith Moore today, he made an excellent statement about our spiritual growth. He said, it's never too late. That's a great quote. You see, as long as we are alive and breathing, we can make any changes we desire. Who knows, it may even add a few more years to our life, giving us more time to improve. I'm encouraged, and I trust you are too. Abraham made some big mistakes, but God still used him in a mighty way. He's the world's greatest evangelist. God's grace is bigger than any sin we may have committed, and if we humbly receive its fullness, the power to walk in the Spirit will well up within, and the faith that overcomes will carry us through. It's amazing so much can be said of something that is so simple. Five basic essentials and six easy steps. Really? Are you kidding? It can't be so. But 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Well, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, out of 2 Timothy 1, seven, And besides that, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And that's what Philippians 4.13 says. The title of this message is The Family Bible Revolution because I believe the truth within can revolutionize every family. And according to the prophetic words from Abraham, Moses, Asaph, Isaiah, Malachi, John the Baptist, Jesus, and Peter, this is truly an end-time message for his generational blessing. Yes, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Masters House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. you this day but that's for me and my house me in my house me in my house